departing from our uh, exposition of Philippians and <clears throat> are going to the Gospels to Mark 16, 1 through 14. So turn to it and I'll read it. Mark 16, 1 through 14. Sixteen one through fourteen. Hear God's word. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre. For they trembled and were amazed, neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had not seen of her, believed not. After that he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believe they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Shall we pray? Father, we pray for your enlightenment. Lord, as you did your disciples of old, give us understanding that we might understand the scriptures. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Good Friday had just come and gone. Good Friday was good for us. Why? Because on that day, the good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. And how did he do that? As we read already, by becoming sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel. That's it in a nutshell. Good Friday was good for us. Why? Because he gave us pardon from sin and a peace that endureth. But to do that, Christ had to be crucified, condemned in our place. Bad for Jesus. 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Good Friday was good for us. Why? Because we became friends with God. We who are one-time enemies. But in order for that to happen, Jesus had to be forsaken in our place on the cross. Again, bad for Jesus. Yet greater love hath no man than this, that a man should give his life for his friends. We've been made friends with God through the cross. What turned out bad for Jesus turned out great for his people to the glory of God. To the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And that is Christ. Good Friday has just come and gone. But Resurrection Sunday is here. Didn't Jesus say on the cross, it is finished? Of course, we know that he was finished. But what did he mean? As far as his death on the cross is concerned, his work was finished. What he came to do was finished. His mission was accomplished, in essence. For his work would not be completely finished until everyone for whom he died, every one of his elect, who are strewn throughout the four winds, would come to faith in him. But insofar as his immediate work is concerned, he prayed prior to his going to Calvary. I have glorified thee on the earth, Father. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. As we know with God, any work even spoken of in advance is as good as done, but that's not what he meant. He meant that this work would be accomplished because he would go all the way. Nothing would stop him from going all the way. Because if he didn't go all the way, we would all be lost to an eternal hell. And so what was that work finally that uh, would be accomplished that we might know him, the Father, the only true God, and the one whom he sent his Son. That's what he said. He said that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. His work would be finished once he rose from the dead on the third day. That day, some of the women disciples arrived early. Women intend to do that. They're Many, in many ways ahead of us. I won't get into that. <laughs> it says in, in verse 1, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, out of whom the Lord cast out how many devils? Seven? That's, that's a, a, a perfect number. That shows that her life was literally taken over by the evil one. Just as all who are of this earth that are outside of Christ are right now. And Mary the mother of James, and Salome, who brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. They didn't embalm bodies back then. They put sweet spices on their bodies to deter the odor. When was it? Very early in the morning, verse 2. The first day of the week, 
commemorate the new creation. And it came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. That Sunday, we call that the Christian Sabbath or the Lord's Day. It's when this all took place. But there was a dilemma as they thought about this, as they approached the tomb. What about that huge stone? They knew there was a stone there. They didn't know that there were soldiers there and all of that, but they knew that, that there was this impediment. And so they were concerned, of course, about that. But then when they arrived there, what, lo and behold, the stone was rolled away. That was very great. And upon entering, what did they discover? They encountered an angel and were frightened out of their wits. Can you imagine encountering an angel in the, in, in the flesh, if I can say that, in the body? It's, uh, I, I, again, one of those things that we don't have time to get into right now, maybe when we take up angelology in our uh, systematic theology class. But nevertheless, that's what they saw. And he was in the form of a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And boy, they were, they were scared. And yet the angel appeased them and quieted their spirits down and announced to them, and this is what really quieted their hearts and took away the fear, that the greatest use ever to hit the tabloids, the internet, happened. And that was that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was crucified, is risen, and he's not here. Meditate for a moment upon those words. He is risen. He is risen. We don't believe in resurrection by, by nature. Nobody does, right? Nobody does. Who believes in resurrection? I mean, when you're dead, you're dead, right? You go to the ground, right? Worms eat your, you know, crawl in, the worms crawl out. I hate to, to, be, to sound that way, but that, that's, that's it, right? Dust unto dust, ashes unto ashes. That's it. Is it? He is risen. There's so much comfort in these words. First, maybe an initial unbelief on their part, but, but here they're hearing it from one of his messengers, one of his heaven-sent angels. Like when our Lord called Lazarus out of the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. Only in this case, it's the master himself who comes forth from the tomb. The living Lord, the prince of life and the prince of peace. He is God who could never die, who became a man in order that he would die. And he did die. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and that very flesh was was torn, um, as, he, as he predicted it would be. Did he not say that, I will tear down this temple in three days and, and resurrect it, build it up? He was talking about his body. Jesus alive, that was the farthest thing from their minds. Did they not hear what he had said to them, and especially to them, before this impending death? and 
consequential burial and resurrection, such as in verse 7 of, of Luke 24. And these two passages, I won't read the whole of Luke 24, but they're parallel because Mark brings up about the two on the road to Emmaus, and it's talked about in Luke 24, but I'll pick a few verses out of it just for the sake of time. In verse 7, it reads in Luke 24, 24, 7, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. But it doesn't stop there. And the third day rise again. How could they miss that last part? How could they not complete the prophecy by hearing him out from beginning to end, from his suffering and death? to his resurrection. Their memories obviously needed a, a very big prodding, did it not? And what prodding it took. An angel, even two angels, as another account uh, speaks of. And for the brothers back there in hiding, and they're hiding for their lives, you know, don't 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 be uh, uh, don't doubt that whatsoever. If you were in their shoes, that that's probably what you. I'll just speak for myself, okay? <laughs> I I couldn't be like John or, or like these these lady disciples of our Savior who were right there in the thick of things, uh, hanging there thick and thin, thick and thin, with their Lord. But it would take something like this or more for them to be brought to the reality of the Lord's resurrection. And it says in verse 12 of Luke 24, after that he, that is Jesus, appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. Sorry, that's back in Mark. And by the way, these two disciples didn't recognize him at first. They just thought he was some stranger that didn't know what was the, the news of the, of the day there in, in Palestine. But the real reason is because their eyes were, were, were holding, it says, that they should not know him. For some unknown reason, by the power of God, they were kept from knowing these things so that at the right time, the Lord himself would explain it to them with the scriptures. When we talk to people, we bring the scriptures to them. We don't bring our ideas to them. We don't bring our theology to them. We don't bring our doctrines to them, as it were. We bring them the gospel, and we bring it from the word of God. And that's what our Lord did, going through all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, one by one. Can you imagine that? But they still didn't understand until he turned on the light, and that happened in Luke 24 and verse 31, and that's Luke 24. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And then he vanished out of their sight. I'm sure they had time to, you know, reconnect and, and give hugs, you know. <laughs> give, uh, no, not really. Uh, and, 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 of course, he would see them again. And the same for the 11 apostles later down the road. When the two disciples <clears throat> couldn't wait for the morning, they went 
to the others and they shared the news that he's alive and well. And it says in uh, verse 13, let me double check to make sure that, uh, yes, it's back here at Mark. So we're back at Mark. Mark 16, verse 13. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believe they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. It's just like when we witness to people and they don't believe us. They don't believe that we have seen Jesus. The heart, my spirit. They don't believe our testimony. How can that be? How can one rise from the dead? Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Buddha didn't rise from the dead. Christian didn't rise from the dead. Why would he rise from the dead? And yet he rose from the dead. And that is why... We have such assurance that when we preach the word of God that it will be believable because it is written. It is written. The Lord Jesus himself would have to step in once again. And, and by the way, when we witness, it is him who steps in and who works in the hearts of sinners to believe in himself. You can picture him rolling up his sleeves, you know. Oh, this motley crew of, of, of mine, of disciples. I thought that, that, that after what has happened, they would understand, but, but here they are once again. But our Lord so lovingly and patiently continues to bear with them and to be long-suffering toward them. And opens their minds. That's important. When we minister to people, you as well as myself, because we're in a mutual ministry, right? To each other, but also to others, to our family members, to our acquaintances, to a world out there that's dying, that's, that's, that's hurting under the opprobrium of sin and Satan. God will open their understanding, but it takes patience in our part. Just as God was with us, we with them and bring to them the truth because it doesn't come the same way with everyone. Some are like that, like, like, like Mark. I mean, I'm sure he just, just grabbed a hold of that and he ran with it. And the word uh, that, that stands out in Mark is the word in the Greek, euthus, which means immediately. <laughs> he wasted no time. Oh, that all of us would be like that, right? But that's not the case. I know that from my own experience of having been converted on the streets of Northern California and how it took some time before the Lord was pleased to open my eyes to behold wondrous things out of his word. So he is the one that has to do it. He is the one who always does it if your eyes are to be open. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Because the very roadblock to my path to the kingdom of God has been taken away. My sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. 
so far hath he removed our transgressions from us who are in Christ. In John 1 9, John 1 9, verses 9 through 12, it reads. This is in closing now. So it's our last scripture that we'll be reading. We will not cover all the gospels, but at least three of them. lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, the Jews, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, authority, become the sons of God, the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. The Lord tells us to remember this day. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember Resurrection Sunday, which replaces the Old Covenant Sabbath, which replaces the seventh day with the first day for the worship of God's people. Because no longer do we have a Savior who is hanging on a cross one who has risen just as he said. He has risen on this day and he has taken it captive. This is he's taken all of his enemies captive who are you and I. And every Sunday is the Lord's day that we celebrate him until his return. And what a gift he has given to his church. What a help the Lord's day is Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Keep that in mind. Every Sunday. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And not only rejoice and be glad in it, but live in it and worship in it. And serve God in it as those opportunities arise of needs that are within the church and also outside. He didn't be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set not your affections on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful for this day and how we gather here to remember you, to remember what you did, to thank you for what you've done in the salvation of our eternal souls, in giving us such hope and consolation through grace that, Lord, whatever may come our way, even those moments of interruptions, those hiccups in the road, as it were, those detours that we sometimes will take from the straight and narrow path to which we've been called. Lord, you always bring us back. And what brings us back finally is your gospel and the hope of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ that has been set in our hearts even as he reigns upon his throne in our lives. Oh Lord, be glorified, we pray. Help us, Lord. We believe, help our unbelief. Thank you, Lord. In the precious name of yourself,